Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Okay, everybody, we are back with another episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I'm here with one of my favorite people. She's been on the podcast before. I've been on her podcast. We get together for this conversation once a year to talk about the holidays, misconceptions about the holidays, how people fuck things up during the holidays. I couldn't be happier to reintroduce Sean Provost, who is the founder and CEO of Live Unbreakable and... Sean, can you please introduce yourself? Because I know since the last time you've been on this show, you have acquired about a million and five certifications. I can't think (laughs) of a person who is more qualified to speak on this topic than you. But please, if you don't mind, just telling the listeners before we get started all of the things that uh, you're specialized in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I love that it's our annual get together. I love that this is what brings us together year after year because it's so important and it's so fun. Um, So yeah, I own uh, Live Unbreakable, which is all about the mental, the physical, and also the nutrition side of fitness, which is awesome. But I just continue education is basically my life. I love studying, I love researching, and I love understanding everything new that science has to offer us. So in addition to all of my physical training certifications that I have for one-on-one and group training. Recently, I also got my senior fitness specialization. I'm working on my fourth nutrition specialization. I have two mental tenacity certifications. I'm also working on my third for that one. Um, And upcoming, I think I have two very specific gut health uh, certifications that I will be completing before the end of the year. So important. So great. Congratulations on all of that, you know, Sean is also an Ironman triathlete. She is, she is a, she's just a, a rock star human being. Um, I'm gonna oh, thank all, you so much. You are like, I look up to you so much in so many ways. Um, so I will definitely be putting all of her information in the show notes so that you guys can give her a follow and everything like that. But every year, Sean and I get together because while we do different types of work, there are parallels that do show up. And I think that some of the parallels are just idiotic i'm going to use the word idiotic behavior <laughs> that that the, there's no video for this podcast but sean is not yes <laughs> i could not agree more <laughs> idiotic behavior that that pops up every year and especially in i think the 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 health and fitness um realm especially and so i would love for you sean if you can we'll just start out um to see the things that you see um people trying to do each year and and then we'll kind of get into the science of why that shit doesn't work so i'm gonna let you run with it and then i'll piggyback when appropriate oh my goodness andy i can't the list is long but we'll start with the simple one i feel like everybody always has this one on their list and it's just very broad it starts very broad and then we'll kind of dive in i think um, they want to get healthier, right? Okay. okay that's yeah, great. There we go. Good. Awesome. <laughs> so Great. Perfect. <laughs> well, now what does that mean? When people say that, I'm always like, that's great. How, what are you, what are you doing? What does that even mean? And then, you know, then they get a little frustrated and then they get really defensive. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get your smart goals here. I just want, I want you to understand what you're doing. It doesn't even sound like, you know, and then you're jumping down my throat Um, But I think honestly, you know, a lot of it does come down to two very specific things and they leave out the third, which we've talked about as well. But the first two, I would say, are exercising more often or more consistently. And the second is to clean up their diet in some way, shape or form, whether that is, you know, finding a diet that works for them, getting rid of alcohol, um, something in that realm. 
And then I would say the last one, which is the one that they always forget is the mental side of it, which is ditching diet culture and really focusing on themselves and working on mental tenacity and the way that you become consistent with your diet and with your routine for fitness is by working on mental tenacity and getting up when it's cold and doing it when, you know, you have, you know, everything else on your list of things to do that day. And you're still making time to prioritize fitness and your diet and your meal prep and going out with friends and doing the things that fill your cup. Mm, Absolutely. You know, thinking about that, I had this conversation with somebody recently and I actually talked about it on a previous episode of the podcast. And I, I think that, you know, in terms of the three pieces that you mentioned, the third piece is extremely important. And I think people, people forget this idea that it doesn't necessarily have to be forever that things are ridiculously hard. Yes. And then it doesn't have to be forever. Now, I, I was saying this, and tell me what your thoughts are on this. I was saying to a, a friend of mine, you know, who is in the, the health and wellness sphere. Um, on We met on Instagram, and then, you know, we've known each other for a while. You know, she she was saying to me, you know, I, I used to think that it was like you say, the thump thump, that there needs to be a discipline and a rigor and a, and, you know, a, a structure. And then I realized it's about listening to your body and things like that. And I said, well, actually it's both. It's both. Yes. A, a million percent. Because if let's say somebody is like 400 pounds, that person doesn't have the ability at that moment to listen to intuitive cues from their body. Mm-hmm. There needs to be an implementation of you know, especially like talking in an area like like you specialize in gut health, nutrition. If your gut is not healed, if you don't have a diet that is is um, providing you nutrient dense food, there's no way that you're going to be able to interpret at the outset intuitive cues. Like you need to have a, a guide and somebody that can really guide you in that direction. What are well, number one. Um, how much do you agree? How much do you agree or disagree? And number two, what would be some of the the uh, the the missteps that you see people making in this time of year? I could not agree more with you. I, that's a hundred percent one of the biggest steps in my coaching programs. And actually, a program I'm releasing for Thanksgiving is called Curbing Cravings because people get these cravings for foods that they want, and I want them to understand it's okay to eat those foods. But if your body is telling you to eat the same five foods over and over, maybe it's not really trying to tell you to eat those foods so much as get something else in your diet. Like you know, if you're craving ice, people think that it's just tension or frustration when actually you're craving magnesium, and your body needs something else, right? So Mm -hmm. there's all these little tiny cues that there's no way you would know because your body only knows what you've given it so far. So it's just trying to really tell you something and you don't know how to interpret it. So it's just doing the best that it can with the information that it's been given. It's time to increase those inputs maybe and, you know, try a new program or work with someone who can guide you through that. So hundred percent, I agree. And I think one of the biggest missteps for people that I see so frequently is that they do dive into this intuitive eating culture. And it's almost as toxic as diet culture because everyone's just telling you like, oh, your body knows what it needs. Oh, listen to your body. But then there's no follow-up from that. It's just, okay, well, your body knows when you're hungry or when you're not. But that's not always true because if you are really hungry, then your body is going to maybe not give you any cues. It's just going to start to shut down. It's going to get really tired. Or maybe it'll tell you you're thirsty um, when you're really hungry or something along those lines because it knows that you've done that in the past. Or it'll just do none of those things and you'll be really tired, but it's going to start to shut down the processes inside, like really core, you know, um, excuse me, really core uh, parts of your of your brain that are making you do deep thinking, or, you know, if you feel really frustrated or emotionally stunted, those are all, those could absolutely be related to gut health too. And then I think Mm. the other thing that gets so frustrating in diet culture too, is that, you know, if you do have an imbalance in your gut, it's going to affect so many other things that your intuition and your quote unquote gut feeling is going to throw you off because it's not healthy. So it's going to tell you, you know, you need X, Y, or Z, or you feel this way when actually you don't at all, but it doesn't know what else to do because you have the wrong chemicals and hormones in your system. And just to verify for the uh, for the listeners, how much serotonin is produced in the gut? Like more than ninety percent. Yeah, the well, that's a lot. Body. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it was. So that's 
it is part of the cravings, right? Especially this time of year, like you're probably craving like turkey and cranberry sauce and stuffing and mashed potatoes and all these things, because when you eat them around family and in this really great setting, it feels really good. But then when you're too full, it feels not great. And then your body just kind of like starts to shut down a little bit and process the food that you gave it. Or maybe you're allergic to some of those foods now and you still want them. You still have that craving for it. But really your your gut is just trying to tell you that you want to do that this time of year because that's what you've been doing and it makes you feel really good. Mm. What are like, tell me some of the ways that you see people um making decisions to uh, make changes around this time of year or behaviors that you see, particularly around Christmas, Thanksgiving, like food-centered, family-centered holidays that aren't of service? <laughs> this is my favorite question. I love this question and I love you for asking it. So I think the biggest thing is restricting. They don't want to eat their pies. They don't want to eat, you know, the desserts and they don't want to eat the things that they think are fatty or, you know, whatever. Maybe you've changed your diet and your family is not very accepting of that. Well, that's okay because it's once it's one day a year. It's okay to do that. One meal is not going to make you fat. One day is not going to make you overweight. And it's okay to have these things in smaller portions is really what it comes down to. If you are craving that pecan pie that your family made, have a piece of the pecan pie. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's and a I million think, percent. Right? Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Totally fine. Um, I think another thing is boundaries. People allow their family to push their boundaries and really make them uncomfortable with either conversation or with food. Oh, I slaved all day over this. Or, oh, I made your favorite. And I don't think it's coming from a bad place necessarily. It's not all the time. You know, family just wants you to feel included or involved or loved. And that's their way of doing it. But when it gets to a point where you feel emotionally unsettled because of it, then that's gone too far. So mm -hmm. you have to be able to lay down those boundaries too. And I think that's another really strong, um, you know, habit that you can start to really enforce now before it gets to that time. I like that. So I like that whole idea because people... Uh, with boundaries, and I've worked with clients on this as well, with people that have trouble boundary setting. If you have trouble setting a boundary with your family with food, you likely have trouble setting boundaries everywhere. And mm -hmm. it manifests in different places. So perhaps, you, you know, like you said, we can start now. We can we can literally start now. Like, And I actually spoke to somebody on this podcast a while back. It might even be a year now that talked about maybe a small boundary is just throwing away something in your apartment or your house that you don't like. Like maybe you don't like it yes. so you could throw it away. Um, saying no in a text to going out when you don't really want to go. You know, like these are small ways that we can practice because our brain wants us to, can, wants to know it's not going to die. And if yes. you have trouble like setting a boundary or you don't do it because you exhibit people pleasing tendencies, your brain might actually give you those signals like, nope, you're going to die. That's unsafe. So start small, <laughs> micro steps, like micro steps. Micro steps. Yes. And it is as simple as if there's something you don't want to do, you just say no and you don't do it and you give yourself something in return. Maybe that's a self-care moment. Maybe that's a journaling moment. Maybe that's just a pat on the back and you're moving forward because it's something that you've wanted to say no to for a while. Wasn't sure really how it was going to go, but now you can kind of take that really deep breath and and let it go. Mm. I love also that you you mentioned the word restricting. I have not, I haven't gained weight in years. Like I haven't gained weight in years. When I did used to gain holiday weight, it was because of this, this really unserving sort of behavior where you don't eat for a couple of days to save up air quotes for all mm -hmm. the big meal. Then you eat the big meal, which doesn't have a lot of nutrient dense food and you eat a lot of cookies or you eat a lot of pie or you eat a lot of stuff. And then what happens? People try to go back into the restricting. Now we've restricted effectively for seven, eight, nine days. Your body then, what is the scientific, what is the body actually doing when the proverbial you is doing those behaviors, like we, us, a person, any person. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, actually. So if you think about any weekend that you're binging and restricting, right? So let's say, let's use alcohol, because that's definitely stigmatized, right? So people mm -hmm. tell you not to drink during the week, all right? Just drink on the weekend. So you're restricting yourself now for five, four or five days. And then you come to the weekend and you go all out because it's all you've wanted this whole time, right? But also when you're drinking, you're probably not eating very well. You're not doing anything on your diet 
either. So now you go from this restriction mindset of don't do the bad thing to now you're overdoing it on bad things because you've restricted yourself so much. And then almost what happens for the next couple of days after that. So we're talking Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, after you were drinking, now you're restricting yourself from everything because you overate and you were binging on this bad food, bad alcohol, bad, all the stuff. So now you're restricting yourself from nutrients that your body needs to recover from all of that bad stuff you were just doing. So you go into this restriction of bad thing to binging of bad thing to restriction of all things. And you repeat that cycle basically, you know, uh, one day later when you have one day of quote unquote normal eating. And so you rewire your brain into thinking that, well, if you restrict, you'll just binge. It's okay. We'll make up for that. And then your body literally cannot process the amount that's going through your system. And you end up having all of these deficiencies. And then that manifests as lethargy and brain fog that can be literally killing the good bacteria in your system that it's tried to create. And then from there, that turned into IBS or it turned into some other sort of issue with your digestive system because it's overworking itself on the one day it gets nutrients. Another thing, Sean, like I think people forget like, hey, we have a body that's doing things like we have a body that's all the time. So, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm going to like exercise and burn this many calories so that I could do that. It's like, you know what? The, the calories are doing it's it's keeping you alive like mm-hmm. like the, the liver that's processing that alcohol the brain that is processing this this conversation that you and I are having like I always tell the story I was the thinnest that I ever was in graduate school I barely exercised it takes a lot of energy to pr- learn mm-hmm. <laughs> like a your brain ton. your brain uses the majority of calories throughout your day it's not your muscles it's your heart and it's your brain and it's your lungs and it's your vital organs that are keeping you alive <laughs> mm-hmm. that are helping you do the thing called living. That's that's where all of your calories are. Right. Going. And I have some, I mean, I, I think of my most unhealthy, uh, the most unhealthy people that I know in my life. I'll use an example of a, a person. It's actually a, a male. And um, this particular person will often restrict food in favor of alcohol calories. I have been of this uh, of this mindset in the past, in my old life. Um, you knew me during that time. <laughs> and um, I was, I ate probably a quarter of what I eat now. And I was so overweight and I looked so terrible. And here we are. Like I, my body just, it, it needed to stay alive. If I'm not giving it very much food, it's certainly not going to be quickly burning through all of the resources <laughs> of, of fat that it has. Hold on guys. We're in for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. Like we're, we're starving, buddy. Like calm the hell down. You know, I, I think like people forget that there's a, there is significant ramifications to us restricting, even if it comes down to like, you're not gonna like, uh, even if you have the most gluttonous day ever on Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, it, it is, it is far more um, of service to yourself to just eat than to not. Absolutely. And especially if your if your New Year's resolutions revolve around this bigger goal of getting healthy, quote unquote, right? Like we talked about, and you're going to narrow that down. Guys, if you're listening, please, for your own sake, narrow that down. <laughs> but if your goal is somewhere in the get healthy space, then doing that restriction binging sort of situation throughout all of these holidays is not going to help you at all. You're going to completely overhaul your entire lifestyle to achieve this goal that you're not even close to achieving right now because you're so far in this restriction and now binging because you've been restricting all year, right? So now you're in this binging area and going back to restriction is not is not going to help you. It's not going to benefit you in the ways that you're anticipating it. I love that you mentioned the news, New Year's resolutions. <laughs> They're the worst. Oh, man. So you probably, do you get a lot of new people, new clients right around the first of the year? Like, do you normally see an uptick or or is it, or do you vet that um, in a way? Yes and yes. So I okay. always see an uptick in, you know, my forms. People always come to me saying, you know, I want to work out now. I'm ready. Like, I've been following you for a while. I'm finally ready to jump in. You know, January 1st is my start date. I'm like, that's that's awesome. We're talking in November. Why do you want to wait until until New Year's? There's no there's no need for that. 
Like when yeah. you think about it, if you're going to be in personal training or in group training or some sort of training and you go, you wait until January 1st, you're going to be with a bunch of other new people probably watching them use machines incorrectly. So why don't we go in now and we can kind of get a head start on that so you can also help them down the line. Then they're watching someone who has great form doing something that they want to be doing anyways. You've already solidified and cannot be rocked by all these other, you know, New Year's resolutioners who are just in there to quote unquote get healthy. You'll have solidified through a month and a half of work what you're supposed to look like, what you're supposed to, what your habits are supposed to be, all these kinds of things throughout your exercise routine. Mm. And, you know, when it comes down to nutrition, it's the same thing. People want to go on a diet on January 1st. There's no need because we're not going on a diet that's going to keep you from enjoying your holidays. That's not what I do. And I'm not going to send you to anyone that does that either. If you don't fit any of my programs, I have so many friends in the space that will have something for you that will also allow you to enjoy the food that you love with the people that you love over the next couple of months. Absolutely. We're not going to do asinine crap. Um, that's I, I am so on board with you in this, like asinine crap, like January 1st, like, and this is why you and I are, we're recording this November 14th. It'll probably be out next week, if not the week after, because next week is my two year anniversary of GTFO. So Woo! yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, but we're, hey. right now, as Sean and I are having this conversation, it is November 14th. This podcast is coming out in the month of November. You are listening to it in the month of November. Why not now? What Sean said is so important in that why not now? Because January 1st, the date on the calendar is not a big enough motivator. In fact, it is the opposite. It is Absolutely. the day, a thousand percent. You have the, It is a day that represents failure in the minds of everyone. Yep. So we might, we might as well just throw it out. Yep. Um, get the fuck rid of it. It is not a motivator um, at all. You know, the, the biggest motivator is a big why. We've talked, you and I have talked about this. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. It's a big why. You have to believe in yourself and have a passion for your why. And then everything else ceases to matter. Everything else doesn't matter anymore. When you have your why and you're passionate about getting to the end of it or understanding it more or just digging deeper, that's, that's what's going to make you take any sort of step forward not a date on a calendar, not because millions of other people are also going to be doing it at the same time. That's not helpful to you at all. You're not worried about any of those people. They don't have any of the same goals as you. Even if they say they're trying to get healthy, it's not the same way that you're trying to get healthy because of bio-individuality and everyone has their own goals and their own way of achieving them. So even if someone does have a similar goal to you, it's not how you're going to get there. Right. So you have to find your why and you have to, that that's your motivator. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about a little bit about, about self-regulation and just being able to identify the things that work for you and the things that don't. And I, I see, especially with like a January 1st start date of something new, exactly what you said, like all of these new people that don't know what they're, they're doing in the gym, like they're using things incorrectly, they're behaving, you know, they're behaving in a way that that's not the strategy of somebody that we would want to emulate. Like if I was going to go, like when I was, began uh, running and, you know, starting my distance running career, I followed individuals that were doing it well and I emulated them. And eventually I went on to get a certification and, you know, get some, some formal, you know, piece Ooh. of paper that said, yeah, I mean, like, what the hell, you know, why not? Because I, I sort of got tired of people saying, oh, you know, no, that's not right. I'm like, all right, I'll get the piece of paper. <laughs> <You know? And laughs> yes. Right. Welcome to my life. The alphabet after my name is for all of those people. <laughs> it's for all of those people. Like, okay, you know, if my results don't prove it, you know, I'll get the piece of paper. Sure. Whatever. But sure. now we have, the, we have the pieces of paper, you know, imagine mm-hmm. that. And that's great, you know, and okay, cool. So why, why are you looking at Joe who hasn't worked out since 2017, you know, on January 2nd and the way that Joe is behaving when, you know, maybe Joe on January 2nd, who hasn't worked out since 2017 is going to the gym every day at five o'clock in the morning. Well, that's a noble strategy. A lot of people do that. That doesn't work for Andy Scarantino. I've never once worked out at five o'clock in the morning. That doesn't or work Sean for me. Provost, absolutely not. No, Mm-mm. we'll not do it. Mm-mm. That's not us. You know, no. and, and, <laughs> not us. You know, and it's like, so yeah, I think there's a lot of have to's air quotes again, like I, or should air quotes, like people should on themselves. And it's like, wait, this isn't, this isn't what is supposed to be happening. And and you're watching all these new year, new pe- new me people, or, or should I say new year, new me sheeple? I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. And it's like, <laughs> What is that? What is that? Like, why is that the the human that you're choosing to emulate? I recommend that people either start now or wait two weeks till it dies. Absolutely. Like just, yes. 
Yep. And if you start January 1st and you have done this year after year and you know for a fact if you're going to say you're going to do something that's going to happen, more power to you, we're not going to stop you. But if you're choosing this year as another year to start something on January 1st and you have in fact had the same goal for the past several years and in fact have not achieved it, evidenced by you're literally starting again this year, then you need to either start now or you need to wait those two weeks, just like you said, because that's when you can have that solace in your mind. You can really dig into your mental tenacity. You can understand your why, and you can move forward with that bio-individuality, like self-reassurance saying, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this in my way. And I don't have to look like or do anything that somebody else is doing because I'm doing it my way. Mm -hmm. Tell me about... You've mentioned mental tenacity a few times, and while the words kind of speak, I think kind of speak as to what it is, I know that there are principles of mental tenacity that you teach, and I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a couple of things that perhaps people don't know or things that people miss in terms of mental tenacity and and, and what you teach to athletes to help them have the best performance or clients or or people that are seeking better nutrition or anyone that you work with. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love to. Mental tenacity really to me, and it I feel like it it is very descriptive in, in its own way, but a lot of people take it to mean, you know, like I can do anything I put my mind to. And while that's kind of the idea behind both words, what it really means to me is that you are not going to tell yourself you're going to do something and then fail. And the, the reason that those two are so different is because when you make a promise to yourself and you fail, you're teaching yourself that it's okay to do that. And I don't want you to think that it ever is. Not that failure is a bad thing, but you should never promise something to yourself and set that goal and have expectations that are not met without some sort of outcome. So if you think failure is ever on the docket for you, what does failure mean to you? And then we start to dive into that. And so there's mm. all these other moving pieces. One of the first things I teach you working with me, even and, and this is why I say it's so integral to both nutrition and for fitness, because one of the first things I'm going to ask you is what's your why very closely followed by, well, what does it mean to you? You say fit, what does fit look like to you? Is that toned? Is that whatever? You say go on a diet. What does that mean to you? Does that mean restriction, binging? Does that mean you can eat what you want when you want to, but you can still look a certain way? And so when we really dive down, there's only two or three descriptors that every person is going to use and they're different for everyone. But then after that, it really comes down to saying, these are the things I'm going to do. And I'm promising myself right now that I'm not going to fail, because even if I don't achieve these three things, the process of getting there, that journey has been worth it to me because my outcome is now new. My journey has changed and my path is going in a new direction. And that's okay. Change is okay. It's not failure. It's change. And you're just remapping your brain in this upward spiral of negative can't happen because positivity is the path I am choosing. I didn't fail. I changed my outcome. I'm not not achieving something. I'm achieving something new. And you're mm -hmm. always favoring that side. Not that you always have to be positive. Who the fuck is always positive? They're lying to you. But you can always reframe your way of getting to another outcome or another possibility or pushing past another challenge. Mm. Yeah, I talk about that a lot. Like in, in my group in day one, you know, we talk about we're, we're just here now, like we're here now. And it and it's very much a um, a retraining. And I think that like that that parallels a little bit with just retraining this idea of because I, I experience a lot of people coming to me either one on one or in my group with 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 the fear of failure, like in the fear of failure and fear of success are often the same thing. And just this idea of of um the fear of not living up to the standard. And it's like, everything is learning. And if you can embrace, I mean, it, it and, and make the small shift of not just like, I don't want to fail, but hey, how can I fuck up faster? Like, how can I learn, uh, learn faster? How many times can I fuck up so that I learn? Because in anything I've ever done, I've had to fuck up. And I was so afraid to fuck up for years that it just led to complete stagnancy. Like I was just terrified of, of everything. And just terrified of, of building anything, of working on anything, of saying I was going to do something and then it didn't work out. Like I didn't run a fall marathon this year. And a previous me, maybe three or four years ago, might have seen that as failure. But this year, I, I quit my jobs. Like I, I went into business full time for myself. That was a mother load of stress. And I just didn't have the mental capacity to do three hour long runs on the weekends. And so for me to just be like, 
that is not a failure. That is this. I had a hard year and I didn't have the capacity to mentally do three hour long runs on the weekends. And I'm not going to put my body through an ordeal just, just to do it, just to tick the box. And I think that that's kind of like this idea that linear progression like it's nice, but that's not how life works. Like we have, we have peaks and valleys. And as long as we're just consistent in making deposits into our experience, we will always grow. Always. It's the self-monitoring piece for me. And what you just said, that makes that so tenacious from a mental standpoint, mental tenacity, but honestly it is, it's saying, I already did all of this stuff. My body is already under so much of this stress. And now you're monitoring yourself and you're saying, well, I could you could have absolutely done this. You could have looked at your calendar and been like, I have three hours to do this run on this weekend. Would you have loved it? No. Would you have fallen out of love with running? Probably. Would you have pushed yourself into a situation where your cortisol levels and other negative hormones would have been so rampant in your system that you're very injury prone, that you were having other issues, that you couldn't really focus on growing your business, that you wouldn't have time for self-care? Yes. So your self-monitoring from this standpoint was saying, okay, do I need to run because that's what I told myself? Or do I need to run because that's what's going to help me cool off? That's what's going to help me feel better. That's what's going to continue my passion. And the answer was no. So you didn't fail by not doing your fall marathon. You changed your outcome and you created a new journey that was more important at the time for you by self-monitoring and saying, this isn't going to serve me. What will serve me? I love to hear that. I'm glad that I gave a relevant example because I love it, <laughs> you know, because it was and, and that was what it was. And you're so right. And I think that a lot of times people will choose the path that is of less service because they want to tick the box. And, you know, I absolutely continued to run. I just couldn't I, I just couldn't do it for three hours. Like I just I couldn't I couldn't do I mean, I couldn't I just I chose I chose I made a choice. And, you know, it's it's great. Like, I'm proud of that choice. And I think like a lot of us, sometimes like we have those, those peaks and those valleys and, and we just don't realize that like, we do expand and contract as humans in, in all areas, like whether it be performance or whether it just be experience, like life experiences. Sometimes we feel really expansive and sometimes we feel like hammered shit. Yeah. And we like to it judge ourselves. Every day. It ebbs and and you can you have know, your worst day right before your best day or right after your best day. And it doesn't have any bearing on anything else. Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's not a sign. It just happens. You know, also I wanted to bring up, okay, the new year. You know, I think people also, like January is the coldest, most miserable month of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It definitely, it definitely gives that vibe. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, no, it's not great. All of your family stuff is over. All of your obligations are over. There's no events really happening. There's nothing to look forward to. It's not springtime yet. It's just cold. You know, there's no holidays on the calendar anymore. And now you're like, well, I guess I'm just working five days a week now for the rest of my life. Yeah. And here's me. Like, I'm outside running and all I'm thinking is road salt. More road salt. All I taste is road salt. Mm, <laughs> it's yum. just like fucking gritty. It's so terrible. And I thought to myself, and I wrote about this last year, and I wrote about this in the Holiday Survival Guide, um, which is just a, a free ebook that I put out, you know, just for the holidays. And I talk about some of the stuff that we've talked on the podcast. Um, but I talked about this this idea of, you know, you and I, we do this all year round, every year, four years. So we can remember and we can anchor to in our thoughts you know, nicer times. Um, we can anchor to great race finishes. We get anchored to memories of sunny days where it was beautiful or like all, or, or the way that it felt to have all that vitamin D. You get a sedentary person that's never worked out a day in their life. They don't have anything. They have no frame of reference. They just have, this is miserable. <laughs> this is miserable day in and day out. There is no good in this. This is awful. Yeah. Negative self-talk. It's there for sure. And it's like, I just got to say to the new year, new me people, like you are picking the worst time, just so you know, you're picking the worst. I'm not telling you not to do it, but I am giving the, it gets better because it does, but you are picking the worst time. So again, you know, starting now or starting a little bit after can really help. Like it can, it can really help because if you're the new the new year new me person that's getting up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym in the first week of the year, yeah, you're freezing your you're 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 freezing 
you're freezing. I'm gonna say it's freezing your balls off, freezing your tits off, freezing. Yes. Yeah, it's not great. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. It takes all of the joy out of it. You know, if you're saying right now, you always wake up at eight o'clock and you're going to start waking up at five when it's cold and dark out and you're going to go to the gym, which you haven't been to in years, and you're going to start a new diet that you haven't ever tried before all at the same time. That's a lot of changes. And I don't, I, I know for a fact, you never tell your clients to do any of that all at once, let alone individually changing your lifestyle that drastically with just one of them. That's not a thing that we do. That's not how you change your life. That's not how you have a maintainable plan moving forward to be anything other than miserable and think of yourself as a failure. Yeah, absolutely. I would never, I mean, I, I won't even say as much as like, if somebody wants to like stop smoking, like that's all you're doing right now. Like that's going to, that is an all consuming strategy. Like, I don't even, don't even talk to me about what you're eating. I don't care. Like just, just get through these, get through these six weeks, you know, like I don't give a fuck. Yes. And that goes for anything that you have to give up to be healthier, giving up smoking, giving up alcohol, giving up, you know, if there's something you're allergic to that you love, but you're still eating. I know plenty of celiacs who still eat things with flour in them, things that have gluten in them. And it's just like, you're literally ruining your life by making these choices. You will make your medical life much more difficult and very soon, like not in years to come, maybe in months to come by making the choices that you're making. And it's up to you to change that strategy now. And you can do that now. You don't have to wait. And it's just one thing. You just have to do that one thing, focus on that one thing. And when that becomes an easy choice for you that you've almost completely forgotten about it subconscious, then we can start working on something else. Mm-hmm. How much do your do your clients share with you in terms of their, I don't know, their thoughts, their, the, their programs, their limiting beliefs? I mean, do what, what's the most common things that you see in, in that type of person showing up for um, what, what do I want to call it? The, the getting on the, the wagon of the new year wagon, <laughs> like what's the most common, um, the, the most common thoughts that, that are existing, the, the beliefs that may not be serving them about themselves. Deep down. And also what they tell me, I think wrapped into one is that they're not worthy. That's the number one. They're not worthy mm-hmm. in the body that they're in with the mindset that they're in. And that shows up that manifests itself as they have to, earn their calories, or they need to be miserable in a workout and be sore for three days for it to have worked, or they need to try something completely new because nothing else has ever worked, even though they've only stuck with it for three days. And those, those are probably the three things. No one's ever been consistent and patient with themselves throughout a trial of anything. And so we work through that. And then it's, you know, you don't have to you you do not have to try something new all the time, right? And then the second one, you know, saying that you have to earn something. No, you don't. No, you don't have to earn your pie. You don't have to even earn your donut. You don't have to earn your fright. Whatever it is, you don't have to earn it because you already have earned it. You're alive. You can have some. And working through that is probably the hardest. But I would say it all it all really does come down to they don't think they're worthy. And so every other limiting belief kind of stems from that one. Can we talk about this perfectionism and the one big effort? I've been talking about this a lot recently. Yes, I'm ready. All right. I'm going to talk about it from from a a standpoint outside of fitness, but then we'll we'll like we'll tie it all together because I'm sure you see it in all areas because I know that you are I know Live Unbreakable is an all encompassing sort of very well-rounded um you know, so the services that you provide don't just deal with like the science. It it's the whole picture, it's the whole human. And, Absolutely. And that I always thought that that's fucking amazing and I think that's why I resonate with you so well and like we you know we jive so well on a lot of these topics I loathe the one big effort <laughs> I love it I can't stand it yeah you know, preach girl preach <laughs> we're just just now day one is starting to shift um out of that because you know my group, everybody is working on something different. They're working on something different for their lives. Um, this isn't, there is no rigor as much as there is um, intent and there's showing up. And so there's the, the the more feminine piece where we do the introspective, the inner work, the deeper work on the honor Saturday calls. But then there's the, um, the, another piece that I implement, which is I, I, I want them to show up every day. And, and say their intention. And that keeps us grounded in present moment. All my coaching, one-on-one and group has to deal with present moment awareness. The thing I tend to see, which I've been working for months to, to, to break, is that people want to show up 
perfect. They want to show up with one big effort that wows the hell out of everyone else. They'll only show up if it wows the hell out of everybody else. Yes. And, you know, I follow an entrepreneur. um, Her name is Simone Soul. I don't know if you know of her. Um, She's a brilliant woman. And she talked about this in one of her podcast episodes because one of the, and she, I found it because she posted something on Instagram about the garbage post challenge. And it was, and she said something very insightful. She talked about how we were taught this in schools, perfectionism, do your best. You're graded. You are, you know, there is a standard and you must live up to it. All of this was taught in our Western programming. So I see this with everything, you know, like I see this with like writers a lot. They'll like, you know, cause I'm a writer, so I'll attract writers and, um, you know, we'll, we'll work for, for two months to put a blog out and then we won't blog for another three months. And it's like, you know how that appears to the world? Stagnancy. Like, that's what it looks like. It looks that way to you. The world sees what you see. So it looks that way to the world. If I wrote one blog and then didn't write for three months, no one knows who the fuck I am. And no one would care because no one your, gives a- your one momentum just stopped completely. The engine's like off the train. Bye. <laughs> it's like, here I am. Like, and like, that's why I'm so prolific about my podcasts and I'll put podcasts out, even if it's just a bag of 15 minutes of hot air. I'm like, no, it's important that I show up. There are people that show up every week to listen to this. So I will put this out. I put a couple of emails out a week. It's important. People show up to read these. I put these out. And are they all Pulitzer Prize winning emails? No, sometimes they're another bag of hot air, but it's important because it's consistency. People know who I am. People are, are listening the things that, you know, are relevant to the people, they'll sift through and find. But I, it is my duty to, as a, you know, to be of service, I need to show up regularly. Well, the same shit happens with your body, you know, and the one big effort in the gym, no one cares. (laughs) One big effort with getting your nutrition or no one cares. You didn't net. Like how long would you say, Sean, that it takes the body to start adapting, creating the enzymes that it needs to digest new food? Like how long would you say to start something new nutrition-wise? How long do you think it takes the body to adapt to that ballpark? Six to eight months. Fucking fascinating. And that is the low end. Honestly, I work with clients for two years or longer because that's how long it takes from doing all of the bad shit that you're doing right now and being comfortable with doing the good shit and knowing that it's not easy every day. It's not even fun every day. Man, it doesn't always taste good, but that is how you feel your best. And you can eat something after that tastes better. And that's that's what it comes down to. Six to eight months. Typically, it takes a year plus to really get on a level where like, you can seriously eat anything, even if you are craving it or you're not craving it. It takes about a year for you to feel like you're not super bloated, having to go to the bathroom, losing some sort of level of hydration when you eat something out of the norm, I would say. So it takes like one to two years to really feel solid and making that decision and knowing there won't be repercussions. But also I think it's fascinating. So I'm just going to share this fact, but everyone literally in their microbiome. So when I say microbiome, I mostly mean the gut, but that can be anything from literally your mouth all the way through the end of your digestive system. You have five to nine pounds of bacteria at any time. Always. Fascinating. Right? Like that's so Fascinating. Right. Oh. That's a huge part of you. Nine pounds is a huge part of you to neglect and just say, oh, I can do whatever I want and it's not going to impact me. Especially when the majority of serotonin is produced in your gut. And a bunch of the hormones that your body is relying on for regulation, mood, Hunger, fullness, feelings of security, feelings of worthiness, all this stuff is tied to those nine pounds of bacteria that you're just completely ignoring. That's that's amazing. Let's let's just I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm so glad that we're talking about that on this podcast because I think that there's a huge misconception with all of these people in in the idea that they can just do something once or do something twice. I remember seeing something on your Instagram. It took me years. To build my mind, to build my body, um, years. like, And there's all of these functioning systems that we are just not educated in. Yeah. 
at all. And even if you were to research it, there's so much information that doesn't mean anything on the internet. And what worked for your second cousin's best friend is definitely not going to work for you. And if it does, it's going to be for like six days. You're going to feel great. And then inevitably when your body doesn't adjust the way that, you know, your cousin's boyfriend's husband did, whatever, then you're going to be frustrated at yourself and back at square one because you feel like you're not worthy because you failed. But it's not a you thing. It's a body thing. You have to find what works for your body. Let's talk about failure. Okay. Because I wanted to bring this up. So I gained 15 pounds training for my first half marathon, 15, one five. That one was five. not fit one five. That was not 15. Now, granted, I went on to lose 52, but that 15, Woo! that was me for a long time. And I want to, you know, I want to talk about this idea of linear progression and the idea of failure. I think a lot of that adaptation was absolutely necessary. And most people that I know that begin that begin distance running, gain weight. And a lot of people I think will try to hard interrupt starting something new when they see possible like weight gain. Is that going to happen for people when they, when they start a new fitness um, routine or they start a new diet? Are they going to gain weight? And what, like, if they are, can we throw in a reframe about it? That my 90% chance of saying yes to this is, yeah, it's yes. Like it's probably going to happen. I know very few clients in my literal 20 years of coaching. I know very, I can count on one hand the number of people who have worked with me and immediately started losing weight before an initial weight gain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that does have to do with either you've been restricting for so long, your metabolism is trying to adjust, you're working on the upward spiral in your brain and trying to work on this positive inoculation almost where you are breaking out of this negative mindset, you are working on stress management, you're working on regulating hormones. So anytime you make a big adjustment in your life, whether that's a fitness routine or something in your diet, your body has to adjust to it. And its initial adjustment is probably, unfortunately, going to be inflammation, especially if you've been on this restriction diet scale where you've been not adding anything to your diet, not adding anything new, not, you know, really working on that side of you, you're probably going to experience weight gain first. And that's okay. We should expect that. And so that's why literally the first half of my coaching, the first month, basically working with someone is saying, you know, this is going to be really hard mentally. It's already been really hard mentally. So let's already, let's start working on the mindset thing first. Let's work on our mental tenacity because it's going to be a hard go. And if they're totally fine throughout that whole, you know, two to four weeks, that's great. Then I know they're ready. They've done the stress inoculation training. They've done the stress and anxiety management. They've done visualization and positive self-talk. They've done the goal setting for both short and long. And now we've set ourselves up for success because even if we gain weight before we lose weight, or maybe we even maintain, right? The reframe here isn't, I feel because I'm gaining weight. It's awesome. Something is changing. I'm moving in the right direction because something changed. Something changed. Something changed. It's that is, I see this with a lot of women, especially when it comes to their, their scale is it, it triggers a survival program. And it's like, yep. you have to be stronger than that survival program. Like, you got it. You got to do the manual override. You're not going to die. You're not in survival. You're not going to be 500 pounds. You're. Yeah. And it is that reframe, right? It is saying, okay, I'm, you're in survival mode for so long. Like all of this research came out this year. The saying, you know, I think before it was something like 60% of women were on a diet for the majority of the year. Now it's 80%. Jesus. And I still think that's low. I think it's more in the nineties. Jesus. I don't know some, I, I have, it has been so long since I have worked with someone, even in my professional experience, right. Even other coaches who haven't tried to be on a diet in the past year. That's, that's just wild to me. Yeah. You know, and I, and I have reached a point in my, in my life where it like, and and I might've said this to you. And if I already have in this episode, I apologize, but I just, I can't, I, I don't, I don't gain weight. I just, I, I can't, even if Ooh. I decide to, to make, you know, not the greatest choices. I go to my mother's and she buys a family sized Doritos bag and I eat the whole thing. It, I, I just can't like, it's just, it doesn't happen. There is just like my subconscious mind is just, it's running the show. It knows what it needs. It points it out. If I, if I'm not getting the things that I need, it just tells me. It's like, okay, you need to, you need to go have this. And then I, and I, and I crave them. It's not in my conscious mind. It's it's out of my awareness. Years. It's gotta be like five, six years 
to get to to get to that point. Like, and I said this in an email that I wrote. That's a fucking privilege that you get to Absolutely. have. It's a mm-hmm. fucking privilege. Just yes, like you millions of yeah, like millions of dollars is a fucking privilege in your business mm-hmm. that you see that you might have started with four thousand. You might have started with three hundred. Like it's a privilege. We don't all just get to go have it. We have to expand the vessel. You have to work on it. You have to work on the skill set. You have to really purposefully make those changes in your mind. And because mm-hmm. your body doesn't want to gain weight. Your body doesn't want to be 500 pounds. Your body wants to function as a machine that it was designed to function as. Whether you're an athlete or not, whether you're a weekend warrior or not, your body has a homeostasis it wants to achieve. Yeah. And your mindset and your diet and your fitness routine, all of that is negating it because you've been trained for so long by society or family or expectations to have this unrealistic expectation that you're pushing your body into. And that's not what you're supposed to look like. That's not how you're supposed to act or think or be. And as soon as you start to make the the right changes, your body's going to be like, wow, heck yeah. Fuck yeah. We're going in the right direction. We are making changes and this is going to be fucking awesome. Oh, I love, I, I remember that when that, that happened for me and I actually started to feel different things. Like I started to understand and I was like, I made a realization that my awareness consciousness, I, like I, I wasn't even in my body for most of my life. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't feel it. Like there were some things I felt like my menstrual cycle, I was aware of it, but it, it was like, not to the point that I'm aware of it now, like mm-hmm. that I, I just feel different like it's not to the point that I'm aware of it now crazy stuff it's it's crazy the way that you can just start to feel your own self as opposed to before yes and that's such a good feeling right and most people will never feel that because they just refuse to understand that where they are now is not where they should be or need to be or even want to be but Mm -hmm. change is hard it's hard work and it's not easy to get where you are it's easy to maintain once you're there relatively, you're still working on it, right? Every single day is a new adventure or journey. But once you're there, it's easier to maintain, but it's a really hard journey to get there. You have to make the decision that you're uncomfortable with where you are. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing stuff. Let's go. Let's, we started with holidays. Let's end with holidays. What are we doing for the holidays? What's the, what are the things that we're going to do this year for the holidays? I'll go first. I'm going to eat normally and <laughs> not be an asshole. <laughs> Woo! Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> Absolutely. Normally, not be an asshole. What other what other advice do you have uh, going into the holidays? And then we'll go into the new year following the holidays. I think the most important thing for me going into the holidays is going to be to open my mind a little bit more going into family settings and situations because I know myself and I'm very, I get emotional around holidays. And for me, a lot of the smells and a lot of the situations that I'm in are uh, fuel for me to want to eat more than I should or whatever it is. Right. And then I know I'm going to feel gross the next day. And I've been working on this for a couple of years And realistically, I think it comes down to, I mean, you know, I'm celiac and a lot of the things that I smell now, I, I can't eat. (laughs) I can't eat the stuffing. I can't eat some of the the food that, you know, other people are bringing to the, to the parties. And so that it's hard for me still to reframe it's, this is year maybe five of me knowing I have celiac. And so I still crave those foods. I still want them, but I know they're really bad for my system and I won't eat them. So it's kind of that internal struggle that I'm still battling And so just really having an open mind to say, it's okay that I can't, other people can. And so I just like ask them to describe it to me or like find a new way. Like I enjoy the smells and I talk about memories with the smells and I reframe into a situation where it's not restricting myself from something I used to love, but enjoying that the people around me can still enjoy that too. And how can we enjoy it together? I really love that. I don't know. I think you knew, or I've told you before, my mother, my grandmother have celiac disease and um, it's questionable, but- uh, one of my brothers uh, now has to follow a gluten-free diet. And it just it's... so happens my other brother started dating a woman who follows a gluten-free diet. So I wish you could come to our house. All the cookies will be gluten-free <laughs> this year. Uh, my mom bakes gluten-free now. And I remember like she and my grandmother were diagnosed in the 90s and like, or the early 2000s. And this wow. was when we didn't have gluten-free anything no. and how hard it was and just how she, like it, it was so hard and, and it's been a lot better over the years, but yeah. you know, we, we've been better about like 
we've been better about not, um, you know, glorifying and, you know, you can't control other people's behavior, but we've been better about not being so um, like vocal about like, oh, this is just so great. And I think my mom now after like all these years is, is a lot better. But I think in the early years, it was very much like, wow, this sucks. Like I, (laughs) like this sucks, this sucks. Um, I have a a different experience in in mine is alcohol. So Mm. I don't, you know, I, I come from a drinking family and I don't miss alcohol. I don't, I don't miss drinking one iota. I don't miss the headaches. I I don't miss the hangovers. I don't miss sounding like a jackass. I don't miss (laughs) any of it. Yeah. And it is difficult to be in a marathon family event where everybody else is drinking and I'm not because it's fuck like just just being around people that their conversation skills are starting to deteriorate or like you're in their face the eyes start to yeah. close a little bit more and drone on a little bit longer yeah and you're just sick of like you're just sick of the the party i think that that's one of my my biggest things is just sick of the party so i've been good about just excusing myself when i'm sick of the party and that's right you know and understanding that like no one even knows that I'm not there. Like so no self-awareness one... for you to put yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable in, in any way, shape or form, right? You're not enjoying yourself. Maybe you're not uncomfortable, but you're not, you don't have any enjoyment in that situation anymore. So, mm-hmm. all right, take yourself out. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I also have one thing in, in that my first couple of sober years, I definitely ate a lot more than I do now. And a lot of that was pacifying because I was really uncomfortable about the drinking, the drinking dynamic. I'm not so much anymore, mm-hmm. but I gave myself like I let myself off the hook for that, you know, kind of like we were talking about my marathon running in like self-regulation. I let myself off the hook for that because I don't have a problem with food. And if I need to pacify with food for my first year of my first sober holiday, I'm going to like, that's it because I don't have a problem with this. And if this is what's going to get me through is eating more cookies than I normally do, then that's what I'm going to do. And by year two, that wasn't an issue anymore, but like for year one, yeah, that was a big thing. And that's just what we did. And that's okay. Like it's okay. And not restricting yourself from that probably helped you get over it faster by saying, it's okay if I have five extra cookies right now, because that's what's going to help me get through this moment. And then you don't crave them for the next seven days, weeks, months, whatever. And you didn't have to do that again the year after because you were fine. You realized that your one coping mechanism that you had, you don't need it anymore. The second coping mechanism that you had, you didn't need anymore either because your mental tenacity kicked in and your self-awareness was there. Mm-hmm. And we evolve. That's powerful. And we are evolutionary beings. So like just I think grace is a big word here. Like give yourself grace into where you're at at this moment Huge. in this freaking wherever you're at, you know, wherever you're at. Good yeah, what about New Year's? Oof, New Year's. All right. Uh, don't feel pressured by everybody else. That's my advice for other people. For me this year, I think New Year's I'm just going to let it happen. I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm not hating on it. I just, I want to see other people enjoying themselves in ways that move them forward, whatever that means to them. If that's New Year's resolutions, make us make a really clear plan for yourself. So you know what your frame of reference is. And then, you know, if you're going to wait a little while, like Andy and I have told you this entire podcast, which we still strongly recommend, uh, then do the same thing, but just give yourself that grace at that time, those two, three weeks, whatever it is, so that you're not feeling pressured so much to do something that you're not even sure that you want to do in the first place, you know, really give yourself time to think about it and make a plan. Yeah. I love that. That's perfect. I love the idea of like, what do you want? Not just so much what everybody else is doing or what everybody else. It's so easy to get caught up in in the everybody else-ness. And it's like their experience yeah. isn't your experience. Just have your own experience. And if you're not sure on the 1st of January, well, then you're not sure. And that's okay. Give yourself grace in that moment thousand percent. Sean, I'm always just so honored when you come on the podcast and share your wisdom. There's a lot of things that um, just so much, so much, so much wisdom, so much education, so much science, so much soul spirit. I love it all. Can you please tell everybody where they can find you? 
Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always a really good time. You guys can find me at living unbreakable on Instagram or liveunbreakable.com. Just reach out. If you are confused about the new year or any holidays or boundaries or anything diet or fitness related, please just hit me up. Uh, I do a free 30 minute consult during the holidays. So if you need a plan, I want to help you make one. Let's, let's do this together. You don't have to be alone. It's not an alone thing. And Sean is, is so brilliant. I mean, and like just the gut health aspect alone, it's, it's worth it. I think that I, I think all of the listeners that um, aren't a hundred percent on their nutrition should, you know, give you a call because it's, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it there. You have nothing to lose by just understanding a little bit more about yourself. So a hundred percent, if you're not paying it now, you're paying it later and you're paying it in tenfold. You might as well figure it out right now. Amazing. Absolutely. Sean, thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I love it. I love you. And I love all of your listeners. Thank you guys so much and wish you all the best for the holiday season. Thank you so much to Sean Provost for being here for another episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Sean, love you so much. Your energy is always so welcome on the show. You guys can check out Sean at Living Unbreakable on Instagram or at liveunbreakable.com. Just so all of you know, day one is now open and I am enrolling people for cohort number three. Cohort number three begins on December 1st and will run until March 1st. So I'm doing a start and end date this time. So you're going to be with me. If you're looking to get a jump start on these holiday goals that perhaps you have or intentions that you haven't followed through on in the past, hit me up. Day one is a very empowering space where massive transformation is occurring for the people inside. You can read more about day one on my website, getthefuckoff.com slash day dash one or just getthefuckoff.com and look for day one group coaching in the navigation. I'll also put a link in the show notes. If you're looking to register, you're not sure, I put a little video on the day one mindset, which you can find on my website. If you still have questions, you can email me, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. You can read testimonials from my uh, members of day one on my website as well if you want to hear the things that the members are saying about the community. It's a really empowering space. It is going to set you up for success in the new year. So definitely check that out. Enrollment is going until November 30th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Thank you once again for joining me. Thank you to Sean. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving to everybody in the States and for the rest of you. As always, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.